0: A podcast one production. This is Global Truths with Dr. Keith Souter. Every week we do a podcast based on international politics. And we break down a situation that is happening somewhere in the world that is somewhat complex. And the man who does it is Dr. Keith Souter. The man is a master a billion doctorates on this kind of stuff. He is renowned across Australia at a media commentator in terms of international relations. There is no one more qualified for this, and you break it down and make it so easy for us to understand, Keith. So thank you for what you do. This week we're going to be talking about the end of babies. What? <laughs> a Christmas story. Yeah, really, really big, great Christmas story. Very positive. <laughs> but
1: apparently the world's running out of babies, We're Keith. running out of babies. Yes. Yeah, so this is a... Uh a story which has appeared in the New York Times by Anna-Louise Sussman called The End of Babies. And it's a story about how we have gone from being worried about too many people in the world now to too few. And so um, for someone of my age, we can remember very easily the debate that we had in the 1970s on what was called the population bomb. And uh, Professor Paul Ehrlich talked about the fact we would have too many people living on the planet And so that was the fear that we had. We've got too many babies being born. Our worry now is not enough babies are being born. In other words, that women should uh, have, uh, each woman should have 2.1 children. So 2.1 is the key component. Obviously, you don't have uh, a tenth of a baby, so it means that some will have two, some will have three, and then hopefully it all all evens out at about 2.1 Births. But it is interesting to note that Taiwan is at 1.3, Japan is at 1.4, Thailand is at 1.5, China is at 1.6, the United States is at an all-time low of 1.7. So what this means, therefore, is that basically the population is not replacing itself and that over a period of time, ultimately, the country will be empty. So um, the classic example of that also is the Soviet Union, where people are also dying prematurely as well as not having children. And so the Russian population goes down each year. So we we in Australia are kept going because of migration. A lot of Australian women are not having babies, but we uh, disguise that fact by bringing in more migrants, which also helps us to give the impression that we've got a booming economy. And so it's all pee and thimble trick on the part of government bureaucrats and politicians.
0: This is fascinating because I would have thought just anecdotally that first world countries, or most developed nations, better said, would be the people that are not having babies because women are obviously working more and our more sort of um, important careers. But we're, we're naming a whole bunch of developing nations still that, that have these lower birth rates.
1: Yes, the, the continent which still has rapidly growing population is Africa. And so by the end of the century, there'll be more Africans than there are Chinese or Indians. So at the moment, we're always used to think about China as being the number one country for population size. It will lose that during this century, and Africa will be the most populous country. Um, What we tend to see is that throughout history, parents have buried their children. In other words, that you have a lot of children because you know that a number of them will die in, in childbirth. There was a recent Hollywood movie made about Queen Anne, and she outlived all of her children. I, think, I forget the number. She had either 14 or 17, but they all perished. At the end, she was just collecting rabbits rather than children. It's, it's a great movie. So that's a situation where the parents are burying their children, and you need children from a family point of view because they're your old age pension they will look after you in old age. So traditionally, you would have died around the age of 50, but your health would have given out, say, around 45. So children would would have looked after you. If you go now to the modern era, children bury their parents. In other words, that is the children uh, who receive the benefits of the welfare state who are able to live longer, and they therefore can now bury their parents. So parents know that they require fewer children. And in many countries... Parents are not poor because they have children. They have children because they are poor. In other words, you know, people complain, as was the debate triggered by Professor Ehrlich with the population bomb. Oh, those third world countries are sex mad. They're having too many children. But in fact, the issue was that once those societies started to get richer, once the welfare state developed, then in fact, you had fewer children being born because parents didn't need so many to look after because they knew they were going to survive into adulthood. And so that is the demographic transition, as it's called, that has taken place. It's really a a marvellous achievement because what is happening is that people are living longer and you've got now for the first time grandparents with their grandchildren or great-grandparents and their great-grandchildren. It's really fantastic that we've been able to improve medical science, hygiene, clean water, sanitation. That's that's all the good development linked to that, as you've indicated, you've got women who want to have careers um, plus also the pressure of ordinary work. And so you've got, if you like, the gig economy interferes with babies being born or babies being conceived because if people are not sure about where their jobs are going to come from, they will defer parenthood.
0: So how much of a role does um, contraception play in this? Because I remember reading a book years ago, I can't remember what book it was, but... By about a journalist, a Western journalist who went into South, uh, to the Middle East during one wartime, I think it was Afghanistan and they were or Pakistan even. Anyway, they were helping some of the local community and they, the local community women asked her whether it was true that there, was, there were drugs that you could take in the West that would stop you having babies and this journalist tossed up whether to actually be honest about it because they just knew that they wouldn't be able to get their hands on it ever. Um, And so she said, no, but these people were desperate to stop having babies.
1: That's right. And in certain religious traditions, the obvious one would be the the entire Islamic world, but also within certain strands of Judaism, certain strands of Christianity, there is the first commandment was to go forth and multiply. You know, we think of commandments coming from Moses, right? But even earlier in the Old Testament, there is the commandment from God to go forth and multiply. And so you've got certain religions that take the view that women should have as many children as you can. Now, the consistent one throughout all of the religion would be Islam. In Christianity, you have problems over contraception. But if you're in Afghanistan or Pakistan, those countries are growing rapidly in terms of their population and, of course, Africa, to which I've referred. So you've got an Islamic north to Africa and a Christian south to Africa. So contraception is important, more I think because it gives women a choice of partners and opportunities to um, enjoy a variety of men, men to enjoy a variety of women, for example. But contraception is certainly important, although the best form of contraception is education. The smarter a woman is, generally speaking, the fewer children she will have. So if you educate young girls they will tend to have fewer babies. But they may be in a religious society which prevents education for young girls. Therefore, education will not be, will not come into play in that same way, which is an argument why in Afghanistan, for example, the Taliban, when they take over control of the country, which they're going to do shortly, they will go back to excluding girls from, ed- from education and from schools.
0: So why is a, a continent like Africa so far behind the eight ball, Keith?
1: Well, I think it's maybe partly the impact of religion. Africa is alive with religion. As I say, basically Islam in the north and Christianity in the south both take the view that they've got to out- reproduce the other, if you like. There's a, <laughs> a population race underway at the moment. And also it's very much part of the religious traditions of going forth and multiplying. So it's a phrase that you get in both the Quran in one way or another and also within the Bible. So, yes, population at the moment is still growing rapidly. I think that if the planet survives, ultimately you will see the reversal of that population explosion in Africa as well. As women get more educated, as there are more pressures on the environment, people will just make the decision, therefore, not to have so many children.
0: You're listening to Global Truths with Dr. Keith Souter. We're exploring this notion today. It's uh, meant to be a Christmas story, this one, although it's not very (laughs) joyous, Keith. (laughs) But uh, we're looking at the notion that the world is shrinking in terms of population and people are not having babies, therefore we are running out of babies. Keith, which countries around the world are, I know you named some in Asia earlier, but... Uh, is Australia among those, uh, the Scandinavian countries which are traditionally well-educated, are they amongst the countries that are, pr- that are producing less children?
1: Yep. So if you look at Denmark, which this Anna-Louise Sussman of the New York Times has particularly focused on, and uh, Denmark's fertility rate has remained below replacement level. In other words, over a period of time, Denmark will become empty unless you get an influx of migrants or asylum seekers or whatever. Remember, in Australia, we had the same problem. We disguise our problem by being so welcoming to immigrants. If we were to take a hard line and exclude people, then we would have a similar sort of problem for ourselves. Now, the population itself is not necessarily declining totally around the world because you've got older people who are living longer. This is an issue that we've also explored that you've got now for the first time people who are living longer and they're living healthier And medical science means that every year you live, you get another three months added on. It's a remarkable achievement. If you're in a healthy part of the population. Now, it's interesting to note that in the United States, we are detecting a decline in life expectancy. In other words, amongst archetypal Trump voters, in other words, non-college educated white men and women, who are unemployed, they're actually getting more heavily uh, addicted to drugs, particularly the opioid addiction or alcohol or whatever, or they're committing suicide, or they're depressed. They are not living as long as, uh, say, uh, the people in California and New York. So generally speaking, people are living longer. You have pockets where people are actually uh, tragically going backwards. But it means, therefore, that We still have a bit of a population bomb echoing away, not because of too many babies, but because of too many old people. In Australia, uh, we used to calculate pensions, what was called seven FAS, seven times final annual salary. The expectation is you would retire at 65 and die at 72. People are not dying on schedule. My father, for example, is 95 and still going, and he draws three British uh, pensions. So he's bankrupting the British state. So the population bomb still has echoes, but for a different reason, not because we're having more babies, but because the older people are living much longer than people were predicting back in the 1960s and 70s when we were talking about the population bomb.
0: So why, this journalist is obviously focusing on it being a global issue, but why do we look at it as a global issue? Because it's really a country-by-country issue.
1: That's right, country-by-country. And if you get outside of the African continent... Uh, you will find that, generally speaking, countries are not living, are not having as many children as they did. Where you have alternative value systems, babies can be plentiful. So in the United States, this journalist is an American, communities of Orthodox and Hasidic Jews have large populations. Mormons and Mennonites are higher also than the national average. So there are pockets of religious communities where the population Uh, does grow, but um, elsewhere you have um, a a workaholic mentality whereby people have to keep working in order to make money. Back in the 1950s in the United States, um, an ordinary white male could earn enough money to keep his wife at home plus two children. That's now very unlikely for most white males. American wages have stagnated for the last 40 years. So you need to have both uh, parents at work, both men and women, and that means they have less time for the child rearing. And you also have what is called declining religiosity. In other words, that instead of being exposed to religious ideas, you're trying to find some other way of um, uh, making sense in your life, and it means that you're just ignoring the religious ideas about going forth and multiplying. But it is interesting that... Um, a tiny Denmark with its generous social welfare system and its high marks for gender equality, and life in China, where social assistance is spotty and women face incredible discrimination. Yet both countries face fertility rates well below replacement levels. So it, it seems to be a global trend outside of Africa that people are having fewer children. The Chinese government, remember, at one point said you're only allowed to have one child. They're now paying the price for that demographic brutality. They're now encouraging people to have children. But a lot of other people have said, oh, we're, we're quite happy going without or having only the one child. So it's very difficult actually to revive that. In Singapore's case, it was interesting because Singapore is an equally workaholic nation. They, the government actually created love boats. In other words, bringing single accountants and single lawyers together, et cetera, in the hope that they would uh, find uh, themselves in love, get married and have children. Uh. Singapore was also looking at, I'm not sure what happened to the idea, but was looking at the prospect of being, of parents being able to sue their children for not looking after them in old age. Remember, an important part of the Confucius culture is that young youngsters look after the elders. Mm. They respect the elders. In Singapore, everybody's so busy making money; they're not worried about what goes on okay. with the elderly.
0: You'll be right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so the government was thinking about giving the right of older Singaporeans the right to sue their children
0: for neglect. For neglect. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. And just quickly, as well, in this Keith, is there any mention um, in this in this research you've done? On this subject matter, that, that women are having children later in life now, of course, and 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 what impact that's having.
1: It is having an impact because women can now have their eggs stored, as this the author of Anna Louise Sussman has managed to do, until she finds the right husband. Mm. The problem is that even if even if the eggs are in good quality, having been frozen, she's still got the nuts and bolts of implantation in her body. But, of course, again, thanks to medical technology, you don't need to go back into your own body. Mm. You can hire another woman to carry your child for nine months. Now, that has all sorts of legal issues. Mm. What happens if the child is born with a deformity and whatever? Or surrogacy, exactly. Mm. So that is another way in which medicine is changing population. So you have your eggs frozen. Uh, You then find Mr. Wright. You may perhaps at that time age 50. And at that point, you employ another woman to bear your child.
0: Well, you know, interesting because I've got actually a couple of girlfriends who had egg donors because they were, for whatever, for various reasons, unable to have children of their own. One was probably a bit too old and the other one had different complications, but they used egg donors, Keith. Yeah. So it wasn't their egg, but they used their husband's sperm and then they carried the babies and gave birth themselves. Like it's another, yep. it's always like another miracle really.
1: And medical technology is creating all sorts of new world issues, which we really hadn't weren't thinking about. I've been involved with a research project on bioethics, yeah. and I was just comparing where we were as recently as the nineteen eighties with what technology has done to us now yeah. thirty years later in this new century.
0: It's extraordinary. Well, Merry Christmas. Uh, we're running out of babies. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Merry Christmas.
0: This has been Global Truths with Dr. Keith Souter. It's recorded in the studios of Podcast One. Producer is me, Kate Mack. Production assistance by Matt Dwyer. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. And for more episodes, head to podcastoneaustralia.com.au or download the Podcast One Australia app.